This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. This is episode 3196 of the Survival Podcast. It is Wednesday, November the 2nd, 2022. And I've got a great interview for you today. I've got a gentleman coming on named Davis Cartier, and he is going to talk about how he and his family built their own house. And uh, a lot of it DIY, some subcontracting, dealing with all the crap with supply shortages, uh, some of the crap with government, though not that much. Uh, the reality of building on a property in a place like uh, Upper Michigan, uh, Minnesota, I'm sorry, where it gets really, really cold and having to make certain decisions toward getting into wintertime and things like that. Uh, it is a great discussion because it's just a regular guy uh, without a lot of specialized knowledge or anything like that going through the process of building a home, which worked out really well for them on the total cost side and on a lot of flexibility and the ability to make some changes on the fly. Also, we'll talk about things that, like, you know, if I had that to do again, this is what I wouldn't have done. Or if I had to do it again, this is what I would do differently. I find that to be one of the most important things you can learn from a person who's done a project this big because someday you might do a project like this. And the thing that I want to know the most is the things that didn't work perfectly or the things that were bad or the things that you would call a mistake uh, because you, you, you don't get a lot of mulligans and do-overs when you're committed to something like you know the foundation of a house. So I think this is an incredibly good conversation, uh, and we'll get to it. This was done by a live stream in the YouTube channel. We'll get drop in on that in just a minute. Remember, all these guys, like, if you ever want to catch the show live, you can. Uh, we get way, way more people listen to the show on audio than we do catching the show live. But we do the show live usually four days a week. Now, next week, little announcement. Next week is TSP Fall 22. There will be about 80 people hanging out at my house for most of the week. And there will be a couple days of me getting ready before they start showing up. That means there will not be live streams next week. There will not be new episodes. There will be rewinds. And I have a great selection of rewinds uh, coming up for you next week. So you will have podcasts next week, but it won't be live. It will be Memorex for old, those old enough to know what I'm talking about when I give you that old marketing campaign. Anyway... Um, With that, let's go ahead and uh, remind you about our sponsors of the day today before we get into the main show. Uh, number one, RidgeWallet.com. I've been carrying the Ridge Wallet for about four years now. They approached me and they wanted to sponsor the show, and I'm like, I don't know how good a fit you are. Let us send you one. And so they did, and I learned all about how it protects you from identity theft. I started carrying the Ridge Wallet. I never end up not having my wallet at the store anymore and things like that because I don't have it as a lump in my pocket, taking it out of my pocket when I'm in the car. I carry mine. I, I, there's a couple different versions. Of I have the one with the, the clip that's supposed to be a money clip, but I carry it like a liner lock knife in my front pocket. Titanium protects all of my identification. Those RFID tags that are in everything now. Uh, it's a minimalist tool. And RidgeWallet.com has become a great overall EDC store as well. You need to go check them out today at RidgeWallet.com. And if you are an MSB member, 10% off everything that they sell. Next up today is ButcherBox.com. I love ButcherBox so much, they've never paid me a dime as a sponsor. 
They pay me in meat. That's right. Every month a giant box of meat shows up at my front gate. And as long as Charlie doesn't find it first, we bring it in the house, throw, throw it in the freezer, and start eating it. Grass-fed beef, pastured pork, pastured poultry. Check it out today, ButcherBox.com. Also, MSB members, if you're a member of my special program, $10 off a box forever. That's $120 a year. My membership's $50. Bucks. So they're a hell of a sponsor. You know I like the product because, first of all, you know me. I would not have a sponsor I didn't like the product. But the other side of that is I damn sure wouldn't take payment in product if I didn't love the product, right? It's, it's just really great. You give them a try, and you'll see why so many people in the community love them. Uh, last, real quick, I just want to remind you guys about Paul Wheaton's Kickstarter. That's coming to an end. I think there's like eight days left in it. I just updated uh, the copy on the website for all the stuff you get with it. I'm not going to go into it today. I'm just going to say they keep adding more and more stuff. Right now, for like a hundred bucks, you get like five hundred dollars worth of stuff, and it is just an amazing assortment of knowledge. I am really looking forward to the 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 product itself, the Garden Master course, uh, but I'm also really looking forward to the seminar uh, on plant genetics. and And there's so much stuff. Just go look at the. Just go to the Survival Podcast and scroll down. It'll be right under today's episode, and take a look at all the stuff that's been added with all the stretch goals. And this is the other thing. This this project needed $8,000 to get done, base level. They smashed that in like the first 30 minutes. They were fully funded. This project's like, like $110,000 or $120,000 of funding now because it's that good. And I have a feeling like this is going to be one of those things that if you don't get involved with it, Later on, you're going to want pieces and parts of what you could have had for a fraction of the cost and be like, damn, I, I should have gotten involved with that one. So check it out if you have not already. And if you are a backer already and you're in it like 80 bucks or 50 bucks or something, just increase your thing to the 100 because the amount of stuff that falls out when you do that is just huge. You know, always be frugal, never be cheap. That's, that's how I would apply it there. So again, check the ride out up. With that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show, building a house uh, DIY without a construction load in the middle of post-COVID craziness. And we are live, and with that, I want to say, hey, Davis, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I dug getting your uh, application because I'm always interested in people that take an alternative approach to providing the single biggest expense that people have in their lives generally is housing. And so that was cool. And you actually built the house instead of we're talking about building a house someday. So that was even better. Um, but before we get dig into that and how you guys, you know, uh, did a lot of your own work and uh, did some subcontracting and, and, and built a house without a loan, which is really impressive. Give us a little bit about your background, man. Like go back to like your, your spacing out in school or whatever. And, and what do you end up doing professionally and, and how does that happen? Um, well, professionally has almost nothing to do with building house. Okay. Um, but my growing up, my uh, father had his own construction company. He did construction remodeling. He spent most of the summers with hiring four to six guys and working roofs every day. Okay. Um, then in the off season, I'd be there helping, um, like hold tools and stuff while I was under somebody's sink. So I did learn a lot of that. You know, a lot of the basic skills long before I ever got to, um, I guess, high school, college. Yeah. Um, so starting in high school, we started moving around the country. 
they're not not an army family, but we started moving. Um, and we did construction in every um, every place that we've been. Um, I did have an opportunity to work under an architect, or not work, um, you kind of learn under an architect in the uh, main, which um, I'm kind of an introvert, so I immediately said no. <laughs> um, that's a regret. When I was in Colorado... Um, you know, we're starting to look at, uh, going into college. So what do you want to do? And I figured, well, I know how to do a lot of the construction stuff, but I hate working in the elements. It's either freezing cold or stupid hot. So I also like drawing pictures. So let's do, um, drafting. Then I went and I looked at some drafting stuff and then I ended up in, um, college in Minnesota. Um, for architectural drafting, which essentially is all the parts I wanted to do without the dealing with people and codes and stuff. So just drawing the pictures. <laughs> um, then I spent a lot of time where I just kind of floated around between a few jobs and, uh, I ended up packaging boxes, boxes for a company that does, um, electronics distribution. So, um, that's, yeah, I haven't really done much with the whole architecture and um Yeah. Uh, that's that's actually really cool though. So you ended up with like a ten acre triangle of land from what I see in the notes here. Um can you tell us like kind of the features of the land, why you picked it, how you found it, <laughs> and what you had to do to get it to a point where you could actually start building? Because I find a lot of times like people like, I'll get a piece of land and I'll build a house. And it's like there's some stuff in between there. So this is one of those places where I ended up getting really lucky a lot. Um, so I started listening to this guy called Jack Spearco, who's constantly talking about you know buying land and whatnot. I'm like, yes, I need to do that. Hmm. I was looking around. Um, and then one day out of the blue, my mother's coming down from War Road, and she calls me and says, I found a piece of land. You need to come out here now and look at it. So I'm like, oh. Okay, so I got in the car and I drove out there, and basically this this triangle is right on the highway. Um, the neighbor decided he needed some money, so he split his you know ten acres off his property, and he was put it up for sale. And she just happened to be driving down the road when uh, like an hour or so after he put the sign up, and she begged him to take the sign down. Um, so I got there. I looked at it. Like I said, it's it's right on the highway, so it already has access to the property. There's a driveway and a culvert and whatnot. Um, there's power lines, which do take up, you know, obviously, some of the property with an easement. But the power lines go right over on my side. Um, that's kind of the long leg. There's the short leg, which is just kind of the divider between... Um, my property and his property. And then there's the hypotenuse area, which would be the longest side. Um, that also has power lines. So to hook up the power costs us an entire $300. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no poles, no nothing. They come out here, they put in a transformer in a box. It's, it's great. Bring a service um, line and you're done. Okay, cool. Yeah. For an extra $300, you can get a light switch to turn off the light and uh, uh, an outlet. Um, that is a mistake I made. I did not do that, and now <laughs> I can't turn off that light. <laughs> um, and my bedroom window 
if I could turn off that light, I might actually be able to see the Aurora Borealis once in a while. So I'm, I'm going to have to get that fixed. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I buy this land. Um, my mom talked them down a little bit. You know, um, yeah, it was it was great. We went in there. I paid um, sixteen thousand, ten acres, oh, right wow. on the highway. Um, it's mostly wooded, but like the center part, right where you drive on, was fairly cleared out. It started growing back a little bit, but I kind of knocked that down. Um, and you know, you were always talking about ponds at that time, but you're always talking about ponds, but I'm like, okay, I need a fish pond. So <laughs> I did the responsible thing and asked the state. Oh, yes. So, um, they come out here and they look around, where do you want to put the pond? I says, I want to put a fish pond right there. And they says, well, that will destroy the wetland. So I says, well, I'm okay increasing the amount of wetland. Yeah. Um, especially in that particular area. And they're like, well, no, that would destroy the wetland. So, um, that kind of Ponds destroy me. wetlands. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, no. Yeah. And like, I would, I would have been perfectly, it's, and by wetland, we're talking about wet during the spring. Mm-hmm. Mm. Talking about mud. Yeah. We're talking about it'll destroy the mud. Mm, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it'll ruin mud season for everybody. I know, right? <laughs> Anyways, it's um I got a little discouraged. Um and that year I pretty much let my mother yeah, she um she was having some issues or they were kicking her out of her trailer park cuz her trailer was too old. Okay. And she's like, "Can I move my trailer out there?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." So um she puts a driveway through the thing and um hired a guy to haul her trailer out and we hooked up her trailer and she got uh, a well and electric. So that's one of those things that make me extremely lucky because when I was building my house, I could just plug into her electricity, use her bathroom. So it's, yeah. 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 And we'll actually get back to that. Well, that well is important. Um, so that set up all the access for me, really. Um, anything else about it? Not really. I think that's. Did you accidentally push the ground down somewhere and make an accidental pond after the state said you couldn't have one? Um, I want to say no. Okay. <laughs> However, due to where the driveway ended up being, when it this year was stupid wet. Yeah. So we basically had a pond for most of the year. It didn't dry yeah. up until August. So you not, now you got a you got a depression that'll hold water. So you get a machine, you don't dig at all. You just go in there and you just. Oh, push, yeah. right? And you push, and if they come out and say something, I just filled up. It's a wetland. I think I need to protect that. And they'll well, say, you better protect that. And you say, okay. That's yeah. a poultry technique, right? Um, <laughs> I did specifically want a fish pond, and uh, yeah. I need a deep hole for a fish pond in middle yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no, wetland's easy to make here. Um, so... You did say you had a degree in architectural drafting. When you did you use that? Did you design your own house? Like, what was the process? Did you go to an architect or kind of like rough rough out what you want and then take that to an architect? How did that work out? Okay, well, the short answer to whether or not I designed it myself is yes. Um, we had sold our previous house. I, did, I fixed it up. We sold it right when everything was going insane mm-hmm. 
Um, so instead of getting $20,000 out of it, I ended up with like 40. Okay. Um, so that's where we got the money to buy the house. Now the original plan, um, I wanted to pay off all debts and build like a little shack or something, just a fallback thing. Um, but the wife wanted a house. So we argued back and forth until we compromised and the compromise was essentially building a house out here. So, I'm an architect. I did architectural drafting. I enjoyed that. So I started designing a building. Um, I knew I was never going to be able to build a very large house right off the bat. So I designed it to be built in three sections. Um, and we're going through this and I'm drawing it out. I'm saying, what about this? What about that? What about this? And she's getting just a just annoyed with me because I keep bugging her about this uh, to the point where like we're getting in almost serious fights. And at some point it dawned on me that while I see these lines on a paper and I see a house, she just sees lines on a paper. Yeah. Um, and yeah. when I, when I realized that I ran in the house, I turned on my computer, I turned on um, the Sims four, which is just a, a computer game, but you could, you build houses in the computer game. Okay. I built the house in The Sims 4. Then I said, okay, come look at this. And she goes, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Can we make the roof blue? Um, so <laughs> the original plan was to build just the um, like the kitchen, living room. There would be a bathroom, a mechanical room, and a mudroom section. Because that would be where all the utilities were. Everything would hook up to that. The problem was, due to the layout of the land and where I wanted to put it, I would have to put the septic field to the north, and um, the bedroom sections would have to go into the bedroom. So I kind of flipped a thing, put the bathroom and utility room on with the bedrooms, and I had essentially a bedroom area with bathroom, utility, and we would just use one of the bedrooms for a um, temporary kitchen. So that was the plan, and this kind of gets into the why there's no construction loan. Um, right. In order to get a construction loan, you need to have um, architectural documents, and I believe they have to be signed off by an actual architect. Now, I do have the ability to make architectural documents. Um, I know how to do that, and I even know an architect I might be able to get to sign off on that, but I didn't really want to owe money on the house. Uh, now, keep in mind, no construction loan does not necessarily mean no debt. So we'll gotcha. we'll get into that. But um, I did max out a couple credit cards. Okay. Not great, but I'm going to work that off. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. See, so we designed it. Yeah. So I designed it in The Sims 4, which is a video game. It's not necessarily normal to um, you know real life. Sure. There are just there are 3D architectural programs. Um, I haven't touched them in 15 years, and while the 3D architectural pro back then the 3D architectural programs were very good at being accurate, but they were a pain in the ass to actually manipulate. Okay. Whereas The Sims 4 is a game; it's very user friendly. Um, so I took some screenshots of that. I'm like, well, I don't want to bother my bother with trying to figure out how big everything is. So I went to Fiverr found somebody to draft it up based on a thing. Um, I had two requirements. 
two by six walls and everything must be in standard or American units, you know, okay. not metric. Yeah. Um, the initial design came back with toilets in every closet, <laughs> two kitchens, okay. and everything in metric. Okay. It's like, no. okay, send it back, delete these, you know, yeah. settings, preferences, units, standard. Just give me standard. So I got that back. And then I had rough estimate of the sizes and i don't remember what the actual sizes were i didn't actually care i just yeah. uh, kind of in my head converted it to the nearest two foot chunk yeah um so really that's that was the process of designing it and yeah not everybody understands 3d things based off a of 2d drawing no, no. So now that you, like, I understand not being able to get a loan, but, like, you're carrying debt against it. Now that it's a house, now that it's sitting there, can you now, because this is what a lot of people do that do construction projects like this, then they go get a mortgage on the property after the house is done. Okay. Um, technically, this is not done. Oh, uh, okay. I still, have to, I still have to finish the uh, the septic field, the okay. drain field. And the south wall has no siding. Okay. And the reason the south and the east wall have no siding is because we plan on making an addition. Okay. Um, I could, well, it's going to have to wait till spring to finish the septic thing. Yeah. And I need more money to finish both the siding and that. But if I do that, then I could get a loan. But then I'd have to owe money on my house. Yeah. And as much well, as I hate credit cards, there's 7% card money and there's 18% money. And I, I, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, the other thing is, though, if you default on a credit card, oops, like versus defaulting on property, they take the property away. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm fairly confident I can work off most of that credit card okay. this winter. All right. Fair enough. Um, let's see, where are we? Well, when you were doing, like, when people say they built their own house, usually they mean that they did some of their own work and mm. that they also acted as their own general contractor. How much of the work that you've done so far um, did you do yourself versus hiring it out? And how much did you hire out versus, like, how much you thought you would hire out? Yeah. I, I that, you know. Okay. So I had originally intended to do – all the framing, so all the woodwork, essentially. Um, all the wiring, a lot of the finish work, putting on the siding and the roof and whatnot. Um, when we get into it, like uh, the drywall, I hate drywall. I was willing to save some money by hanging the drywall and just having a guy come in and tape and mud it. Um, the price he quoted was $4,000, and I said, I don't hate drywall that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another advantage I had is that um, my mom's boyfriend, who is now her husband, so I guess he's my, my stepfather, um, runs a concrete company. So he knew how to do all the concrete. Now, he's up in a different county. He doesn't work here, but he helped me, like, figure out how to lay everything out and get some materials and help me with the actual work. Um, so... I dug up the, dug the hole. Um, I put in the, you know, the footing or the forms for the footing. 
obviously I have to hire the, uh, the concrete truck. So the guy who comes up, backs it up and dumps the concrete. Um, my stepfather and me, you know, filled, uh, filled, pushed it out into the forums. Um, <clears throat> when that was done, um, so in Colorado, in high school, they brought us to a building forum where I got to see what Nadura was, which is an insulated concrete form. And they go together like Legos. And I always wanted to do that. So I was going to do it with this property. Um, I could not find Nadura initially. Turns out the, his nephew has, who's a contractor has a, um, a deal with a company down in Fargo and they get ICFs, which happened to be Nadura. So I got a slight discount on the ICFs because I was able to go through him. Um, so basically, I got these big foam blocks, and I'm over here jumping up and down like, I get to play with Legos. Um, so I put those together. I put in all the uh, rebar. I had to hire the guy with the pump truck and the concrete. So really, it's just pouring the concrete so far. Um, then the wife and I got out there and within a few days had the floor and the walls up. Um, stepfather helped me a lot with the trusses, which came about a month later. Uh, and then, you know, they helped me put the, uh, roof on and whatnot. Um, what else was attempted to be hired out? I tried to hire out a well. Okay. <laughs> um, I called him up in the spring because, you know, the world's crazy. It takes longer to get anything. I called him up in the spring and said, hey, I'm going to need a well this summer. He says, okay, well, you're number 42 on the list. Um, I have not heard back from him yet. So um, I ended up putting in my own line to my mother's well, though I did have to hire that out to dig the trench. Because um, you can't just rent a very large excavator. Yeah, over a Mini-X, it comes with an operator, apparently. Uh, service wire. I didn't want to touch service wire. 200 amps. Don't want yeah. to do that. I put up the breaker panel. I got the service panel ready. I went. I says, hey, you guys do service wire? They said, yes, we do. I says, okay, um, I need, a, I think it was like a 200-foot or less, I don't remember the exact measurement, of service wire run from breaker panel to service box. They're like, okay, we can get to it six months from now. I'm like, I need it this month. Um, so um, turns out the guy living behind my stepfather used to do electrical, and while he would not touch it because he is not a certified electrician anymore or something, he yeah. was able to walk me through it. And it's actually really easy. Um, it is literally just cut off the plastic, put some paste on, stick it in there, wrench it tight. Okay. Um, so that was a little nerve-wracking, but found a guy to do that. Um, what else did I tend to hire out? Let's see, drywall. I did see a great wire. big machine pumping concrete. I assume that you didn't run that. Yeah, nope. No, I uh, I don't have one. I don't keep one in my back pocket. You can't rent one. Yeah. Um, that's kind yeah, of a specialized that, piece of equipment. I, I believe that's like $1,000 to have that here for the hour or two it was. Okay. Um, anything else I had intended to go out? I don't think so. I think sure. I did pretty much everything else. 
Now, you were talking about the foundation and, and these things that look like Legos. So somebody here mentioned something called Fox Blocks. Is that what those are? And can you talk about that? I I saw kind of how you guys did your foundation, and I thought that's that's a little different than what I've ever seen done. Okay. Uh, Fox Blocks is a very similar product. It okay. was originally what I was looking at okay. um, before I found out that his nephew had Nadura at a, a dis- slight slight discount, the contractor's discount, right? Okay. Um. So it is very similar. I do think the Nadura product is probably a little bit easier to work with. It does lock yeah. in really well. Um, and I was excited because I saw this when I was in high school and I finally got to play with it. And it was, okay. it is very much like you put a block down, you put another block down, you interlock them. They kind of snap together like Legos. And are they like an aircrete or what are they made of? They look really easy to cut. It is styrofoam. It is styrofoam with little plastic things to hold them together. Um, And those little plastic things have grooves in them that you lay the rebar in. Okay. So you go through, you lay all your rebar in, you put on the next thing, you lay some rebar, you put on the next thing, and it goes up and up. Uh, Then what you do is you take some... um, take some plywood or something, screw it around, especially the corners, and any, like, seams that you have... um, Put some plywood on that just to keep it from blowing out because okay. that is, that is a, a risk. And you get some um, some upright supports and whatnot just to help push the wall back and forth when they're filling it with concrete. It's a little wiggly. Um, but it is an insulated concrete forum. It's basically two-inch foam on each side with little plastic connectors. Okay. And, and the advantage just, to using that? Um, your... So if you're, you don't, sorry, Um, concrete forms are something that you reuse over and over again, and they're going to get horrible, dirty, nasty. If you work in concrete, that's something you would have. Otherwise, you're spending a whole lot of money to use wood that you're just going to peel off and it's going to be full of concrete. Okay. And then it's best to then insulate said wall. The concrete okay. forms basically reduce the need for buying all that wood and okay. already come insulated. Okay. And it was kind of like when I looked at it, I couldn't really tell. Uh, K-Bonk here was asking if you had a full basement. It looked more like you had like a underhouse crawl space to me. I couldn't really get scale on it. Right. Um, the reason you can't get scale is because I made a, I might have made a mistake here. Okay. Um, I just meant the I hate, video. I couldn't tell. I hate crawl spaces. Was. Yeah. Right. I wanted a condition crawl space. Okay. Um, but I'm a tall guy. I'm six foot tall. All right. So I thought, okay, well, we'll just make an extra large crawl space. Okay. And it's so extra large that if I just spent a little more money, I could have had another story. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I kind of looked at it like that was a little. Yeah. That would be yeah, on the list of things you might do differently. <laughs> yes. That is definitely down there. Okay. All right. Um, where were so, we? no, we're good there. Um, other than, you know, you, you have oh. some cost savings, clearly, by doing some of the work yourself and by being your own general contractor, because general contractors usually, you know, they're knocking 20 points on just about everything that they do. That's kind of how they yes. earn their money, right? So you save some money. Were there other advantages to building yourself? I think maybe what we were just talking about, like being able to choose something like those forms might have been something advantageous. Um. Yeah, I can see that being advantageous. Um, the big one is the ability to change shit on the fly. Okay. 
Um, so the original design. Without a change order and another charge. No change <laughs> order, no yeah. extra money, no contractors getting angry because you're always changing your mind. Um, so one of the things I had as a feature is the, um, in the front there, I think if you've seen, I think you've seen the picture, there's a big front porch there. Originally, that was just a bay window. Um, I got that set in there. I got it framed up. I started looking for windows, um, which I should note, if you're going to put in a bay window, find the windows before you frame it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't yeah. do that. But I was sitting there. I was looking at this bay window. I'm like, I would rather have a sliding glass door here. I says, wife, is that okay? She goes, yes. Um, so eventually we ended up with a porch there. That wasn't even planned. Um, let's see. I had the, the walls framed up and my, my stepfather's in here. He's looking around. He's like, cool. So you don't need a mechanical room. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't need a mechanical room. He's like, well, all the, the furnace and stuff, your, your, your crawl space is so big. You could stuck that all down there. I go, Oh, you're right. Yeah. So I didn't input up a wall. So now my, my temporary living room and we're going to get it the, quotations temporary here yeah um it's much bigger now because i didn't actually need to put the mechanical stuff anywhere um then i was looking at the bathroom and i was trying to figure out okay well tub sink toilet what am i doing with the other half of the bathroom so i got online i found out how big a washer and dryer was and i now have a laundry room before the badge the bathroom um, another thing is the kitchen is now in one of the rooms. I was originally just going to put a temporary kitchen in the large room. Um, said large room was originally supposed to be a master bedroom, but, um, it got really cold because winter came. We ended up in an apartment building because we didn't have enough insulation, heat and stuff done to actually move in here. And I was looking at the the way the living room and that was set up, and I realized if I just delete a wall, I have a massive room. Mm. So, like, the next day I showed up, I took the Sawzall, I cut a thing out, ripped a wall out. Um, and the wife wasn't terribly happy about it until we got all the, like, drywall up, and she goes, this is really nice. Um, so there is that for advantages. Um, do I have anything else here? Hallway removed, mechanical room deleted, heating system. Um, that is another thing I intended to hire out was how to do heating. I think we'll get to that in a different section. But, um, yeah, I was originally going to have forced air heating. And now I have a electric baseboard with a backup propane heater that does not connect electricity. So that was a massive change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's all I got in here. Oh, uh, this was on my bucket list. So I got to check off one thing on my bucket list, build a house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is that is definitely a good item to have on a bucket list. Um, were there any, like, special tools that you needed that the average person just wouldn't have? Okay, um, so building a house is a lot of different disciplines. You 
concrete framing, siding, roofing, whatnot. Um, so there is a actually there's a lot of special tools. Uh, most of your specialty tools for any given job are going to be five to um, yeah five to fifteen dollars. They're usually small hand tools and whatnot, such as this. Um, for those of you who are on audio podcast, this is just it's a drywall knife. It is very good at cutting drywall. It's for cutting holes out of drywall. It's probably a ten dollar tool. It is useless for everything else. Um, what you are mostly going to be using, however, is a saw, a tape measure, a pencil, a hammer, a speed square, a knife, and a level. And you are going to do most of your construction with those few tools. Um, a speed square is just a triangle. It allows yeah. you to make a straight line on like a board. Uh, for saw, I do have it um, separated into a circular saw and a chop saw. Now, there's also a reciprocating saw and a uh, table saw, which are helpful, but they're not necessarily required for most of this stuff. Um, under hammer, I also have, like, in parentheses, like an air nailer. Um, so I know you're fond of the DeWalt thing. Um, the, the cordless, yeah. The cordless yeah, if nailer. If I was building a house, if and you're building a house. equipment around me, then, and you've got power and, and what have you, I would probably just use a pneumatic because right. they're more powerful and they're cheaper, right? It, they are cheaper, especially when you consider the fact that you just unplug that, uh, that air nailer and then you can plug in, like, your finished nailer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're building a house, I would definitely go with pneumatic instead of it, your... Um, but basically, it's a hammer. If you drives a nail. Get on your homestead, and you have little projects you're doing all over the place. Though, you will never regret getting a cordless framing nailer. Every day that I looked at the price and went, "That's nah, so expensive," was a day that I hated myself. And the first time I did a project with it, I'm like, "You are so stupid. You should have bought this the day they released it," because. Every project I've ever done for it, I felt like it paid for itself in that one project, just inconvenience. But yeah, if you're doing a if you're doing a construction project, um, just swapping batteries and all. I mean, yeah, like you said, yeah. you can switch nailer to nailer just so easily. And I have not been willing to give Dewalt the money for a finish nailer because I was able to buy two different finish nailers and extra batteries with uh, Porter Cable mm. for less than one freaking finish nailer from Dewalt, and it was like. I hate having two battery platforms, but personally, I use a finish nailer three times a year and right. worth having it, but it wasn't worth the DeWalt money. But I think that's one of those things you make a decision on how you're going to use the tool. And that's kind of what we're getting at here with like you're building a house versus uh, this week I'm going to build the chicken coop. And then, you know, next week I'm going to go over here and, and do some repairs in this outbuilding. You're talking about a major long-term duration project that you're doing. Here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In one so, place. <laughs> um, point being is tools, they're either fairly cheap or you rent them. Now, the one tool that I guarantee you're not going to have is one of these. So uh, this so is the Minnesota Residential Building Code book. Um, now, I know you preach when you are buying a house is to always have an exit strategy. Correct. I am in a county that said um, we don't enforce building codes. Okay. I went, ooh, that's nice. And then I thought about it for a moment. And um, 
I did try to pay them for the building permit just to cover my rear end, and they said, no, here's your money back. So that was amazing. Um, But if I ever want to sell this house, it's got to be pretty damn close to code. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And as much as I'd like to just not follow code in a lot of specific areas, um, it is best to do that if you ever plan on actually selling your house. And I have $90,000 into this building. Um, it's worth more than 90000 and it's because I can sell it Yeah. once I finish that septic and the siding. Yeah, yeah, that's the big thing. That's what makes a thing worth what somebody says is that you can sell it, right? you got to be able right. to move it. And most people don't have the money in their back pocket. They don't peel off hundreds to buy a house. They go get no, a mortgage. They're... Mortgage companies tend to, like, not want to loan money against property that doesn't appraise, so they have appraisers. They also bring in an inspector. So those two things have to happen. And when it comes to stuff like that with code, like there's obvious and there's like you'll never see it. And right. so, for instance, with our kitchen, when we did a remodel there, we were supposed to have to move, move the, the vent for the drain or some shit. And the guy's like, I have to do it. It's to code. I'm like, we don't have any code here. And I'm like, will it work? Fine. He's going to work fine. So the odds that some home inspector is going to come tear my wall apart if I sell the house and look at the position of the vent for the drink, that's not happening. But if there's a code about, let's say, size of windows or here's where I like really learned how important this was. When I bought a house in Pennsylvania many years ago, I had no idea what I was looking at when I looked at the fact that guy had built this deck and he had put joist hangers up. And he'd done the joist hangers with a nail that shouldn't be used for joist hangers. They were aluminum or some shit. And so our inspector went in and looked at it and basically said, all those nails have to be replaced. And I'm like, wow, if you get an inspector that's that good, then if you're the guy, then you're out there. And he was pissed. And he was right because the joist hangers, they they didn't even use them to suspend the joists. They used them to hold the joists while they they ran them in with... uh, (laughs) with lags from the outside of the ledger, but but they still had to do it. And right. it was like, okay, so stuff like that you need to really pay attention to. That's kind of where my head is with that. Right. So, yeah, code. And that doesn't include plumbing or electrical code. Yeah. Um, I had a state inspector for electrical. I did most of – well, I did all my electrical – um, and he would come in, he'd be like, he'd point out a few things. Okay, you got to fix this, 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 and this. And I'd fix that. And, um, I always, um, I always enjoy actually talking to the electrical inspector because, um, he's, um, he was, he was good. Like, they're, they're always helpful. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Please explain this. I'm like, okay, just, yeah. For what it's worth, you've got the greatest endorsement a man can get right there. Uh, in, uh, yeah, in the I, I saw that. I tripped up a little bit <laughs> about that. I'm like, wait, that's my yeah. wife. That's your wife, man. Um, what issues did you have to deal with? Like, because like, I know there were shortages in this time, um, you know, finances. You mentioned not having too much trouble with the government. Did you have any interference from the department of making you sad, anything like that? I amazingly had zero interference with the department of making you sad. Um, now, if I was one county lower, I would have a lot more issues. Um, I just happened to be in the right county. I just happened to be in the um, 
yeah, I'm not actually in town. I'm south of town, so I'm just kind of in a random township. And I filed all my electrical state pay permit stuff way ahead of time. Um, the only thing I had to do was get a septic permit and a septic design. Now, the uh, the permit was only $50. The design was 500 um, and that is mostly because I couldn't put a regular in-ground system in. Hmm. Um, the actual department of making me sad didn't show up. <laughs> so um, that is one of those things where I got really damn lucky. Um, but, yeah, there were some issues. Um, when I initially bought the wood, you know, I, I was – suffering because um it was expensive but i got lucky because i bought it before it got really expensive okay all right um i only bought one pallet of two by fours mm. um i should have bought two mm-hmm. if i would have known what i know now i would have bought 10 and sold yeah. the other yeah well <laughs> yeah. everybody would have right like oh yeah, yeah. of course um but I, I definitely should have bought two because once i ran out of two by fours i'm going to the lumber store and I'm like, well, how much is a two by four today? And they're like, nine dollars. Yeah. I'm like, I really need two. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, I went in and bought a bunch of two by twos for um, the way I'm insulating. And um, then I looked at the price, and they were like four bucks for a two by two. I'm like, oh my god. Um, let's see, the well. I did mention the well. Still haven't heard back from him. Hopefully okay. next year um, we can drill our own well and get separated from my mother's water. Yeah. Um, there was the service wire. I mentioned that. They're six months out. Um, I forgot the gas line. And the mm. gas line kind of turns in with the furnace. Okay. Um, so by gas line, I mean the propane tank. Getting the propane tank and filling with propane was really easy. They're like, okay. hi. Yes, we will show up and drop a tank off. And yep. hook it to your house. It was great. Yeah. Um, so December 2021, I go into one of the heating companies and say, hey, I need help sizing a furnace. And they said, okay, we'll call you back. It was They didn't call me back. It was Christmas, New Year's. I'm like, mm, whatever. It's Christmas, New Year's, whatever. Okay. Um, spring comes. I go to a different company. Hey, um, I need help sizing a furnace. And they're like, well, where's your blueprints? Um, yeah, I don't have any blueprints. They don't like it when you don't have blueprints. <laughs> um, so we need, we need to come out to your house and take a look and, and run the yeah. calculations. So it's like, okay, fine. Um, so I set up an appointment. I take some time off work. I show up here. Nobody shows up. Nobody calls. Nothing. I call them. I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to have an appointment today. And they're like, okay, well, our boss decided to take it. Okay, so they gave me the number of the boss. I got yeah. a hold of their boss. He's like, oh, yeah, um, I don't have time to get out there today. Can we reschedule you? It's like, um, no. no. So I went to a different company. Yeah. They didn't call me back. Went to a different company. They did not call me back. So I ordered, I, I found the calculation online for how to calculate what size furnace you need. I bought a furnace online. It was going to be here July 15th. It showed up last month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. After I'd already decided it's not coming, 
let's do electric baseboard. And I had brought a through the wall vented propane heater because I thought I was going to stick it out here last winter. And, um, I installed that and that's working out pretty good. Okay. Um, and that's one of those things where if all my electricity goes out, I still have heat. So who cares? Yeah. And I mean, a long term, you need to get on that because those electric baseboards, I, I lived in Pennsylvania, which is a very similar climate. And those electric baseboards, they just eat money. Mm-hmm. It's like you turn, you turn the heat, like it's a little bit too cold. I, I just need it to be, and as soon as you turn it up and it clicks on, you like, you feel your wallet, like start drilling a hole <laughs> in your ass cheek and you're like, Oh my God, what just happened? Because they just, they are not efficient at all. You know? No, they're not. Um, it was so bad. Our place there and I was making good money and all too. And I just, I just didn't want to pay. And so we got two kerosene heaters. Mm-hmm. And we would at night put one in the hallway. We had a three bedroom house. One was my office. So we had my, my, our master and my son. And we would just have that sit out in the hallway. And then we had the other one downstairs. And there was a, it was a coal stove that if we would have lit it, we would have been taking our life into our hands. But the prior homeowner and we, we just never got it fixed. It had a vent in the floor. So we put the other one right where that stove was under that vent and it freaking. It saved us a fortune, but now kerosene is stupid expensive, right? Yeah. You know, um, back then kerosene was like 89 cents a gallon or something. I think it's like $10 a gallon now. Yeah. Um, our previous house, we had electric baseboard heat. It was very leaky. Um, and they had it on like a peak energy thing. Um, and whatever system had been in there when they originally got the peak had been taken out. So the previous owner had been heating the place with kerosene lamps. Yeah. Sort of like smoke stains on the ceiling and shit. <clears throat> um, right. So gas line to get gas from the propane regulator to that uh, propane heater. Um, and this is what, this is one of the, this is one of those things. I really got to thank the people in the TSP discord. Um, I believe it was handful of tranquility. Um, I had no idea how to size these pipes. I'm like, does anybody know how to size these pipes? Cause they didn't show up again. Took all day off, waited. Nobody showed up. Oh, we'll get to it eventually. Um, anyway, does anybody know how to size, uh, liquid propane pipes? Um, handful of tranquility. You know, took some numbers for me. What did I need? How far is it going to go? He ran it through some system where he does and gave me the size pipes I needed. And it was actually a really easy thing to do. Um, it really just a matter of put a pipe on, turn it with a pipe wrench, do the next pipe. Uh, so I managed to get that done like a day, day and a half. And I probably saved $800 right there just not having a guy come and do it. Um, I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was handful or not, but they helped me calculate like the, um, the size of beam I needed to hold up my floor in the very beginning when I was just trying to figure out what kind of wood I needed. Um, any other delays? I don't think there was any delays. Um, there is the whole copper wire or electrical wire, right? Bought a bundle, 250 feet. It's like 80 bucks. A few months later, I need another bundle of 250 feet. It's like 120. I think the last one I bought was $100. And it was only 50 feet. So I definitely got to see things go up. Um, 
There's certainly amount of I wish I bought more stuff in the beginning when I thought everything was insane already. Yeah. Um, trusses. Uh, like I said, I had gotten the walls up, and like the trusses are not coming for another month. Yeah, so I think that's all the issues I had. I'm sure there's some small stuff. Just a couple. Um, if you could do it over again, what would you do differently? All right. Um, like I'd said earlier, if I had just put like a couple more layers of them uh, concrete ICFs, I'd have essentially a second story for not much more money. Um, that is probably the biggest one. And I could have even maybe put on like the attic roof trusses for the top story. I don't know if that would have actually saved me much, but yeah, I would basically have a two story house. Um, I would have gotten more of my finances in order right off the bat. Uh, I might have actually done the blueprint because anytime you want to talk about anything to anybody, the first question is, where's your blueprint? Mm-hmm. It's in my head. Um, would have liked to start smaller. All right. Um, another thing is the original plan had us starting smaller, a little chunk, and then building additions on. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to start smaller. I spent a lot more money because we went bigger. Um, there's also a lot more money spent because while I'm ready to move in, I'm ready to rough it. The wife is like, no, no. Um, <laughs> I, I built this really nice composting toilet and she yeah. took one look at it and said, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, also, Everyone who says a composting toilet does not smell does not live in an airtight house. Okay. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, I would have had to put in some type of venting anyway. Yeah. Um, so this is actually a really good sized house. It is 1,100 square feet. Um, quite honestly, I I don't feel the need to add on other than I would like a better kitchen and the room that is currently housing the kitchen is supposed to be another bedroom. And I do plan on eventually having another child. Okay. Do you think you had mentioned earlier, if you'd gone a little deeper, you could have had a full second story with a basement. Had you done that, if you had reduced the footprint to let's say 900 square foot, but then gone deeper, you would have ended up with effectively 1,800 square foot under roof. Right. Um, and that is, like, if I could have done that, I would have redesigned the house to do that. Um, I can't actually go deeper. Um, due to the way that some of the hydrology works here, um, that would you be a could have higher form. with the... But, yeah, with higher the, with the yeah, forms. Yeah, that's right. Um, like a split level. I don't know if that's what they call right. them, but that's what we call them in PA. That's what my house was. And I do like the look of that. We originally wanted one level because we figured we're going to be old and we're not going to like stairs. Um, but that would have been nice. But that's what kids are for. Go downstairs and get daddy the thing, right? I'm right, kidding. right, right. <laughs> put in an elevator. There's been some discussion here about an angry giant named Paul Wheaton and wondering why you didn't do anything with wood heat. 
Okay, so the initial plan was to eventually have a temporary wood stove. Uh, decided to go against that because you're putting a wood stove in there. I don't necessarily like the wood stove. But um, on that wood heat, I was listening to your podcast with yeah. Paul Wheaton, and it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking in my head all the reasons why I didn't put in a um, a rocket mass heater. Um, so number one, a rocket mass heater is going to pull in a lot of oxygen. Following modern building codes, um, this is a bubble. It's an airtight thing. Um, so you can't just put a rocket mass heater in here without some type of air intake. Now, there's ways around that. And um, also, because we're sitting on basically a wood floor and the concrete floors in the basement. I don't yeah. feel that it's structurally uh, sound enough okay. um, to put a, like a rocket mass heater in what is now my living room, which was supposed to be a bedroom. Okay. Um, then there's the, there's no way my wife would let me put a rocket mass heater in the living room. <laughs> and that was a very valid point. Now, when we yeah. do the addition, um, yeah. there is a, like a front entry room that I want to put in and, I'm almost guaranteeing myself that I'm going to have a rocket mass heater in there okay. um, of some sort. Now, while I was listening to that um, that podcast you were doing with Paul, I was thinking, um, is, is there any way to actually you know, put the firebox outside and just channel the heat inside? And I was thinking yeah. of ways that I could do that, and it is possible. And then I was like, you know, I just wish that I could put like the whole rocket mass heater thing outside and just pump the air into that and back up and through all those vents and stuff I put in for the forced air furnace that I don't have installed right now. And I thought that's actually doable. Take away the room and just run a second pipe through it. And then I'm like, is there a rocket mass furnace? Do I need to make the first rocket mass furnace? I got really excited about this. I looked at Paul's plans that he gave us and I went, I do not have the time for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that I won't have the time later. Big problem is in order to build it, I have to like go outside and I got like three weeks before it's freezing cold. This is Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but I might go collect a bunch of clay. Honestly, I've got a box right here that I'm thinking I might do it after this podcast. And um, if I get to it, then we'll try it. And if I don't, oh well. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a there's a time for I need something now. Um, right. What I thought was really cool that he brought up in that thing was the liberated rocket heater. And so I so looked at it's that. like a vertical stove, and it actually takes less space than a big ass wood stove, and it. And, and so I was going to pull that up for people to take a look at, and their sites now. I think they have more business than they can freaking deal with right now, and you need a, a code to access their store. Mm. So I don't think if even if somebody wants one of those, you're getting one anytime soon. So, uh, But I, I think we need more turnkey stuff like that. That's what I told them. I say, you know, people have wives. I know you don't understand that, and, and, and they say no, and then you're going to do what you're told because you're not dumb. And uh, – there's no problem with that either. I'm not, you know, calling right. it a problem. Like my wife's not letting me build a rocket mass heater in my house either. Uh, and I can deduct it. We don't need one. It's, it's taxes. We would use it like twice a year, right? You know, it's not it, worth it. It would be us. very advantageous to me though. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's going to get negative 40 soon. There was so much talk of wood and angry Wheatons that I had to ask. Anyway, um, would you do this again? Hell yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I, Thoroughly enjoy building things, um, specifically for myself. I don't know about other people, though I do plan on maybe getting my contractor's license and trying that out. Um, yeah, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy actually putting together specifically framing, which is the part where you go from a pile of wood to a house in a week. Unfortunately, there's the year after which in which you're actually putting all the systems in. But um, that that particular part I really enjoy. Um, I would do things, I would do things completely differently just from like uh, angle of solar exposure and size and whatnot. If I didn't have to worry about, you know, say what the wife wanted or yeah. whatnot or codes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. You do it again. That's, that's, the, that's always the biggest question. You know, like I had the guy on, Years ago, they built a house out of a couple shipping containers they welded together and all. And he was like, this is great, and this is great, it'll last forever. Well, I asked him if he'd do it again. He's like, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. And He said, I was on here as much to tell people how you do it as to make sure you really want to do it. Now, he did back off of that and say, so if I didn't have one, would I do it again? Yeah. But if I was going to build another place, would I do this again? He was like, "Mm, uh uh-uh. Not happening, no way. You can watch all the DIY stuff on cable TV you want. This is hard. Uh, and I think that they're, you know, like, that's sometimes people get attached to, like, these methods of building versus, like, what's most practical for them. Like, I'm going to have an earth ship, and I'm like, you know, I've seen a lot of 15-year-old not-done earth ships. I, you know, I mean, your advice. Have. The guy's out there pounding a tire. When did you start building this? All oh, back in 96. And you're like, I don't think so, Skippy. I, I have considered an earth shelter type thing with the pounded yeah. tires. I took your advice and pounded a tire and then said, nope. Yeah. 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 One tire. One, one tire. tire. And that dude was on the show. He made the machine was supposed to do it. I'm like, this takes just, it's easier, but it takes just as long. Like I, it's one of those things you want it to work. Mm-hmm. And if you have like 500 hippies to show up at your place for a week, and 200 of them work while you feed them all pizza and beer, you'd probably get it done. But it's, it's, man. Um, I do like earth sheltered homes. The oh, concept yeah. of there's a lot of insulation in the ground, but the earth ship thing, I think is a pretty much a New Mexico phenomenon. Anyway, man, this has been cool. Um, you don't have a lot of stuff about housing, but you did have some links on your YouTube and some other stuff. I've got all that in the show notes today. Um, uh, Definitely appreciate you being with us and sharing your story. And uh, let us know when you uh, when you really start to, to, to batten down the final stuff and, and, and that journey, and maybe we'll have you come back on and talk about kind of finishing it up. Okay. Well, um, I mean, really, I'm just doing trim work at the moment, and I got a few things. Yeah. I got this room behind me. I've been storing all my tools, and needs to be finished. I got yeah. the floor here. Well, cool, man. Hey, I, I appreciate you being with us today, Davis. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, great interview. Really love to talk to folks like that, real-life stories. Um, I do have a couple spots left 
uh, that we haven't booked yet. We're actually uh, doing some vetting on some uh, applications right now that I don't know if I'm going to reach out and book or not. Uh, we don't book everybody that comes in, but certainly don't hesitate to apply to be on the show. If you want to see if you can get one of the remaining bookings before we hit the end of 2022, because uh, there's not that much left, because we got the workshop next week, and of course, you know, there'll be all rewinds next week. Then we got a couple days off for Thanksgiving. I just shut down for holidays like Thanksgiving. And then we shut down, guys. And for those who knew the show, it, it's, it's probably good that you know this. I, somewhere around the 22nd, the 21st, the 23rd, it all depends on how that week works out at Christmas. I put out, at the last last show of the year, I put out the Christmas special that we've been running since 2008 when we started, which is the, the story of Christmas in America. And at that point, it's kind of like a sundowning moment for the show for the year, and I don't come back until like the second or third of January. I take that like week, week and a half, completely off. It's 100% with family. I don't get on social media. I'm doing, I put them to a full-on pause. And so there's not a lot of spots left. And so if you want a shot at being on the air this year, get on over to survivalpodcast.com, click on guests, fill out the form, and we'll try to get you on. Uh, and you can go to the Bitcoin Breakout if your topic is Bitcoin-centric, but it doesn't matter. Both forums have the same questions and come to me. So I'll make that determination anyway. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and... Uh, Remind you guys, there's a lot of ways you can help support this show, but one really painful, painful way, no, one really painless way is do your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. No matter what you buy, whether I recommend it or not, if you start your shopping there, you help us out. But everything I recommend there is 100% something I own, I buy I, I, I buy it again if I need it again and I recommend, I spent my money on it or I wouldn't recommend that you did when I started doing T-SPAS like 5-6 years ago now um, I always expected one of my trolls to be like you say you have it but you don't have it and I, I've always been waiting for that moment and no one ever did it to me, I was going like, to throw a whole bunch of shit on the on the uh, the dining room table and take a picture and go there there you go right there it is like a T Spaz catalog here I use the items that I recommend and that way you know you can trust it sometimes it's because it's the highest quality thing you can get for the money in the space sometimes it's the best price to value ratio and sometimes it's even a lower end product but that price to value ratio is there that's what I have today I have sold thousands and thousands of the E-Tech City 4-Pack LED lanterns. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Are they a perfect product? No. But if they arrive and they work, then they'll work for damn near ever. And if they arrive and they don't work, E-Tech City replaces them if they don't work. Let me. This is an actual email that I got from E-Tech City when I emailed them about some of my concerns with, you have lots of good reviews, but there's some one-star reviews that say, like, I got it, and it, one of the four lanterns didn't work. This is what they said. Hello, Jack. Thank you for reaching out to us, and thank you for all your feedback. We appreciate it. Honestly, we sell hundreds, if not thousands, of these lanterns a day, and we do have problems with them. They're not perfect. Typically, the main issue is a little toggle switch in the base that likely during shipping breaks. Unfortunately, and once in a while, uh, on the top of the lantern, it's cracked or loose, again, probably due to shipping. Once the lantern makes it to the customer and they arrive in good order, we never hear from the customer because they seem to not fail with normal use. 
We usually only hear from customers the moment they open the package and find damage. And we then immediately send out a replacement, and all lanterns come with a one-year warranty. They're not the world's greatest lantern, but at about seven bucks a piece, they're one of Amazon's best sellers, and we think for the price, they're the best around. And I agree, that's a price-to-value ratio there. So I, I recommend if you want like the best battery-powered lantern, the stream the Streamlight Siege is, is top end, but it's going to set you back some bucks. These are about seven fifty a piece right now. They're on sale right now for thirty two ninety nine with for four or twenty nine ninety nine for four. I'm sorry, twenty nine ninety four for, for for four right now. Here's what I love about these: they're really bright. They also have a dimmer switch, so they don't have to be that bright. They last for damn near ever with a set of batteries. What I've done in all the major rooms of our house, I went and I got this from Dave Duffy over at. Uh, or I'm not. I'm sorry, not Dave Duffy. Jeff Yargo. Uh, I said Duffy because Duffy's kind of the force behind Backwoods Home, and Yargo is one of their writers. Uh, I had Jeff Yargo on and uh, a long time ago, and uh, he he gave us this tip, and I immediately implemented it. You take a little hook, like a little screw in hook little white one if you have white ceilings, for instance. And somewhere in the room, you put this little little hook. And a good place to do it is like right above your ceiling fan. Because if the power's out, ceiling fan's not going to be spinning, and it kind of hides it, right? And then you take these lanterns, and when the power's out and you need to light the room up, you just hang them from there, and when you want to turn the light on, you just pull them down. And then you have overhead lighting from them. And they're so cheap. I got one for every major room in our house. Put one of the little hooks in all rooms. And then that way we have a blackout. Until we get the generator running and everything, we got light everywhere. And honest to God, when the power goes out, I don't immediately run and go get the generator. Like I check ERCOT, which is our electric you know, service, and I like see, like, well, what is the estimated time before the power comes back on? The power's going to be back on in three or four hours or less. I usually don't get the generator out. And then that way we just have kind of that blackout capability. Or if it happens in the middle of the night and nothing's going to die, you know, you just wait till morning and then if you need to, you get the generator out. So having that capability is really, really nice. And it's stupid cheap. They're also great for camping. Kids love them. If you have a kid that has issues with, you know, the dark in the room and whatever, you can give them one of these things and $750. Now, I want you to know, how good are they? Well, they now have 4.5 stars with 22,000 reviews. 22,000 reviews. The only other thing, other than sometimes they arise if damaged from shipping, which don't blame the manufacturer for the mail service, uh, that I've heard people say is that they leave them stored for a long time and the batteries leak. Well, that'll happen if you leave something with batteries in it long term. Don't do that. We keep ours in our blackout kit, which is like a soft-sided case thing, like about the size of a milk crate. We keep them all in there. We keep some flashlights at all times that have good quality Duracells in them. And then for each lantern, we have two sets of double A's. They are in a Ziploc bag with the lanterns in the thing, so you just pop them open, boom, they're on, you're in operation. That way, because they don't get used that much, they're not sitting there. And I know every time I talk about this, people are like, do you know that if a batteries damage a device, that the battery manufacturer has to replace it? Yeah, go through that process over a $7.50 lantern. Put them in a Ziploc bag, it won't happen. With that, 
I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please remember you can always also support me by joining the Member Support Brigade. Get all those yummy discounts. The membership pays for itself. Learn about that at thesurvivalpodcast.com forward slash members. Thank you, and I will catch you guys tomorrow with the Just Jack Show. We're going to talk about one of those topical end-of-the-world discussions, all that stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about the Twitter Blue Jacks losing their mind over Elon. Is Elon going to punk out on us? Who knows? Stuff like that tomorrow, a little bit different. Friday Expert Council Q&A next week. Cool rewinds all the way through, and I'll be back with the following week with new stuff. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you'll never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way